My name's Tom Marshall, and you're listening to Beers Podcast. Welcome, PBA fans. Aquí su sargento, back with another podcast con el coronel. What's up, coronel? Hey, what's going on? Happy, happy Monday to everybody. Happy Tuesday. You know, happy, happy Tuesday. Right, right. <laughs> happy Tuesday. Every day is a Monday to me until Friday. Man, you're just a you're a busy guy. <laughs> the weekend is your is your weekend, and then the week you're just like, man, okay, it's another Monday to me. Or Absolutely. <laughs> it was a busy weekend, man. I mean, we all had um, there was a lot of matches, a lot of excitement, and, and knowing that coronel's life. I mean, you probably. Uh, you know, had a good uh, a good weekend, a jam packed weekend, right? A uh, jam packed weekend, lots of stuff to do. I mean, I had three days off, and you know, I, I probably totaled like fifteen hours sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I was uh, I was with you, man. I was in you know in Mexico City, as you know. We had a chance to you know bring in uh, Fonzo in our last podcast. It was a busy weekend for us too, man. We did a lot. Uh, there was a lot to cover. You know, we got to see a lot of stuff that I missed last time when we were out in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was able to to take advantage of that trip. But, you know, I would say with everything, the, it just it went downhill really fast on uh, Saturday. The wheels came off the bus, right? <laughs> the wheels came off the bus. And I hate to say it, but you were right. You were, uh, you know, you, even though you're a, a fan, you're, you know, you're realistic. And you're like, man, I, I don't have a good feeling about this game, guys. Yeah, I mean, I think, that, I think that's kind of, uh, I mean, it, it sucks. It really, really sucks, but... You got to be real. You know, got to keep it real. Got to keep and, it real. Uh, unfortunately, what what other reality check do you have other than you know we know the results, right? We know the results. Let's talk about Gio. Yeah, that that was a brutal hit, man. And it's funny being on on the stands, you know, watching the game. You really couldn't see, you know, from 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 the view that I had the severity of the hit, right? I knew it was major once, uh, you know, they started calling in all the the physicians and. Uh, medical staff, um, I was like, oh man, this is serious. I, I had no idea the severity until later I started seeing the images and stuff and, and I was just blown away, man. What were your impressions? Yeah, the same thing, you know, I was kind of like, I was, you know, it's it shocking, but it was shocking. It was a bang, bang play. Uh, and my first, my first thought was to text you and text you guys and be like, hey, I'm sure you guys will watch it and see, you know, the hit. And, and you know, just there are a lot of hits and a lot of fouls throughout the games and, and the first thing I thought of, well, I'm going to text them and let them know that it, it's pretty nasty. <laughs> you know, it's pretty nasty. But then, you know, we started getting into conversations, we started getting into arguments. Uh, it was a dirty foul. It wasn't a, it was a clean foul. It was a bang-bang play, stuff like that. So, you know, the, that, that whole texting you let me know, uh, oh, stop the window. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, pretty, it was pretty brutal. Yeah, there was a lot of... Um... A lot of perspectives happening, right, back and forth between uh, the Chivas and America fans. But you know, I, I would say coming from a, a you know perspective of Chivas fans, I mean, I, it was it was a bad, it was a it was a brutal play. I mean, I can't I can't defend it. It was I think he was you know he was being a little too aggressive, and this may be part of the game. And and you know you know he wasn't thinking straight. Who knows, man? But I, I truly believe that though he did not do it with uh, bad intent. I mean, I didn't think he went in there purposely going. I'm gonna go ahead and you know mess up Gio's, Gio's uh, career for the rest of his life by doing a, a, heinous, a heinous hit like that. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, from from the tape, from from watching it live, pretty much kind of far away. It looked, you know, it just looked like a bang bang play. Once they did the repeat, you can see that uh, it was actually going to strike the ball that was coming off out the air, try to get it out. That's what it was going to do. He completely misjudged it, and he ended up taking Gio's leg. Gio's leg, you know, came in, and that's how I thought it. Um, I don't think it was an initial intent to hurt. I don't think the intent to hurt anybody out there. I think they're I think they're all professional outside of the team that they're playing for. They do respect each other. You know, they do love each other as as uh, as professionals, as uh, coworkers, if you want to call it that, or whatnot. But you know, um, I see the I saw the notes on the Facebook on the players on TV, and it was, it was pretty. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, and again, I understand from the Medica side that. You know, if I was a, if it was one of the Chivas Chivas players that that got you know fouled like that, I probably would have you know be thinking the same thing. So I get their side of it, but in reality, is you know it's it happened and you know he got punished for it. Uh, I'm curious to know what they're gonna do for him long term. Now, what was your take on the uh, on, on the game aside of the four to one score? I mean, the last goal came in towards the very end. Yeah. Uh, so it was more of a three one three one game throughout the. Match. It, it was a it was a dominant performance by America. I mean, it 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 is what it is. I mean, I don't think the Chivas uh, midfield, um, the defense were were not helping the Chivas. Toledo and Vega didn't really get anything, you know. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, uh, I'm just gonna check out the stats right now. I mean, you've got I mean, at 26 shots over four, uh, the ball possession. You know, they had more of a ball possession, and anything plus, I think you know some of the simple mistakes. You know. Uh, they paid for it. They paid for it, and, that, and that's that's kind of one of the been been one of the big issues with Chivas. When other teams make the mistakes, Chivas doesn't score. They don't make the other team pay for it. Yeah. And unfortunately, when it's made against Chivas, if they make a mistake, they will make you pay for it. And we were they're just coming off another four to four to one loss. Was it four to one loss against uh, during the week? We just recently played against uh, Puebla, no? Yeah, they lost four to two, didn't they? So. Yeah. No, it wasn't a great classico. I mean, for the for the America fans, it was and in the stands, um, they were they were celebrating. I'm not gonna lie, you know, sitting there as a as a Chivas fan, it was uh, it was it was tough to tough uh, pill to swallow. But you know, they were cheering, they were uh, yelling uh, Chivas out of the Senso the whole time. So they were they were celebrating the Chivas uh, downfall right now. So uh, definitely a, a party for the Americanistas there in the stadium. The uh, Chivas fans that were there, um, they were, were very quiet. A couple couple chants here and there. The Pulido goal um, revived some of the Chivas fans, but they surely got, they got shut down quick. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, I bet, I not, bet. Not a lot to celebrate. But uh, speaking, you, you mentioned Puebla earlier. You know, they uh, they're surprising, man. They're actually coming back and they're starting to uh, you know to 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 bounce back. Didn't they just recently um, you know fire their coach? They got a new coach, and and they're actually doing the you know they're doing what Chivas should have done. Is bounce back and start winning some matches, man. Absolutely, man. They did. They took the two-one, I believe, two-one against Leon, and uh, it's great to see all these other teams do well. You know, because a lot of times, you know, we're football fans, and we, if there's a game on, and if the teams are doing well, and it's not your team, sometimes you don't watch it. But I mean, these teams that are doing well, and, and they can they can actually produce a good game. I mean, if they're entertaining to sit there and you watch. So, I mean, I'm glad that I'm glad that they're able to bounce back and get some W's. Yeah, no, the, this the, this apertura has been uh, very interesting. You've been seeing a lot of ups and downs. You know, at first it looked like Santos 
was uh, going to take it away by the dominant performance in the beginning of the Apertura, but they've been they've been struggling. They've been kind of going um, you know down a little bit, and then you have uh, Querétaro who you know got to, to the top, and then now they struggled and lost again at last two to zero. And Necaxa I think has been the the surprise of all of them, dude. He, they started from the bottom and just creeped away you know uphill to the very top, and you know not uh, not not losing any matches, man. Yeah, so man. But don't forget, we also had that other classical man. I know one of the teams that was, was favored to to win the league, um, Monterrey. Yeah, they were favored to win the league, and they're they're struggling just bad. And uh, they took the the two zero two zero loss in the other classical against Tigres, and uh, there's a lot of you know it's it, it, it's not set in stone, man. It's still up in the air for everybody. Yeah, well, I mean, with this uh, win, uh, America moved to third in the table. So, you know, they haven't lost, but they haven't won in a while. But they've been, you know, racking up these points. And then with this win, it just yep. you know, moved them to the top. So now they're looking dangerous as well, even though they've, um, you know, again, with all their their roster changes, they're, they're still, I mean, they're they're looking scary right now, especially with that dominant performance. So anybody's up to win. Yeah, definitely. As long as it's not, it's not America winning it, I'm cool with it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> uh, America fans, uh, I mean, right now are probably celebrating. I saw a picture of, uh, you know, with, with Serge and a blanket with America, uh, a blanket with all these trophies. I'm like, dude, okay, enjoy this it, moment. It, you know, the funny thing is, is, as soon as the game was over, my internet went out, bro. Really? I got to call my internet provider to ask them what's going on, man. My internet just went out. I couldn't, I couldn't log on. I couldn't get on social media. I don't know what's going on, dude. That, yeah. I, that happened as soon as the game's over. That happened to me, too. Internet, miraculous, miraculous, keeps on fast. That happened to mine, too, man. I don't know what happened either, so... What else was up for your weekend? Well, you know, um, I had a chance to uh, interview Tom, so... Uh, Tom Marshall's a good friend of ours. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, he... Oh, uh, yeah. He works for yeah. ESPN. He also does uh, a lot with Food Mix Nation. Um, and, you know, I connected with them out there and I did uh, spend a few minutes and talk to them on our Uber drive uh, from or to Estadio Azteca. So um, we'll go ahead and um, play that and uh, talk a little bit with Tom and then we'll come back and, and share our uh, our stories with them. We're remote in a uh, Uber heading to uh, Estadio Azteca with uh, Tom Marshall. Uh, Tom, how you doing, man? Yeah. Just before the big game, no, the Classical Nacional, looking forward to it, just leaving Coyoacán. Um, yeah, excited, and yeah, thanks a lot for the invite for the, yeah. To the podcast. Yeah, man, no, it's exciting to have you here. Um, I know this is probably going to come out after the match and everything, but, you know, it's cool to let people know, hey, this is where we're at, you know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> podcasts happen or, uh, you know, interviews happen anywhere in the spur of the moment. Uh, but, uh, Tom, tell me a little bit about how, you know, how, we, how you came across, uh, how, how actually this started, man. I reached out to you, I said, hey... Tom, you're available, and then Tom's like, yeah, yeah, no problem, you were actually flying from, uh, uh, is it uh, San Jose, is that what happened? Yeah, yeah, uh, no, yeah, it's been a bit crazy, it's late traveling and all that, but um, no, I suppose, I don't know, it's difficult to know where to start, I mean, basically, I, you know, I've been living now in Mexico for like 11 years, um, you know, my wife's Mexican, we've been together like 10 and a half years, so, um, and we've, you know, only been in Mexico City about three months, so lived most of that time in in Guadalajara, and um, yeah, basically I'm from a town called Rochdale near near Manchester. Um, I grew up a lot of the time going to Old Trafford to watch Man United under Ferguson, and um, yeah, crazy times watching that team because obviously they were they were very good and they won so much, no? Um, and yeah, I don't, I guess like. I don't know, it's kind of weird how it all kind of fell into place with the 
with the Mexican soccer because you know obviously you grow up you know near Manchester and stuff like that you just like every kid you're just crazy about about soccer and you know you just that's all that's all you want to do and all you want to you know read about watch play you know what I mean it's just that that's just how it is and then then when I came over here after university I started working for kind of a newspaper that goes out in English called the Guadalajara Reporter just to get experience really you know learn some Spanish and stuff and you know it was never like the kind of plan to oh let's you know let's stay for 11 years <laughs> in Mexico I mean it was more like uh, yeah but I started a blog basically on Mexican soccer in English and just kept doing it started a Twitter account and you know I guess I was lucky as well because it was that I think it was a time where not really anyone was doing it and so I think I got a, I think I was lucky in terms of the timing and that you know people picked up on it and you know bit by bit I've managed to just about scrape together a, a career <laughs> If you can call it that. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how we all start at, at one point, right? You never know what your future's gonna what the future's gonna have for us, but you know, you start it and you start seeing potential. You know, it looks like you started seeing like there's something here maybe, right? When did yeah. you when did you notice there was something you know, something special happening? No, I mean honestly, you know the the moment it was quite interesting was Chicharito when he signed for Man United. Because, you know, like I said, I I'd grown up watching Man United going there and like you know, watching the vast majority of the games, and so I'd, I'd, I'd been in Guadalajara about probably six nine months when Chicharito, you know, went signed for Man United, and so so it was everybody in Manchester nobody knew him <laughs> because he'd not really played for the Mexican national team. I think he played like one game, yeah. um, and nobody knew him. So everyone was like, "Who is this guy? Who's this guy?" And luckily, you know, I'd been to quite a few Chivas games. You know, I'd obviously been reading the newspapers every day about him, about his background, and so I don't know. And and then when that happened, like the newspaper, some newspapers in Manchester, like the BBC and stuff, got in contact. I actually went with Chicharito's family and did like a story for for Man United with his with his um, abuelo, uh, Tomás Balcázar, and uh, his dad. So yeah, so it was. I don't know. That that was the moment. Of like, oh, no one's really doing this. <laughs> and then the World Cup came up. Yeah. And it, and then the 2010 World Cup was like, I think I did some stuff from the Guardian. I'm like, I don't know. There might be there might be something to this. But this is the interesting thing for me with you know the English coverage of Mexican soccer. It's always I don't know. I think it's building up quite nicely, but it's still a long way to go. But it's still like there's still a lot of potential. You know what I mean? And I think that's that's. I don't know, that's still interesting to me, the way, what direction all this, you know, we're seeing it more and more now, you know, you've you got a podcast, so many podcasts out yeah. there these days, the Chivas podcast, the American podcast, and it's great to see, you know what I mean, because, you know, it just simply didn't exist, nearly, nearly crashed there, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, we've got to be careful here, there's a lot happening on the road, but uh, <laughs> it's one of those things, I hear Tom talking, and I'm looking at the road thinking, are we going to survive here, what's going on? <laughs> But that's interesting, Tom. I didn't know that about you. That you basically grew up watching Chicharito's career, from you know, move the transition from Chivas to, to Manchester. That's pretty cool to know, man. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you did talk about, you know, how these outlets now. There's so many different, you know, with the community, with podcasts and all these outlets that we can, you know, people can just find creative ways to, you know, send a message, right? To talk about their passion and what they what they see. What well, where do you see this going, man? What What do you think the future is of like? sports journalism or sports communication going at um, where we're at now? I honestly think that, um, you know, I really believe that in, in five, ten years, then the future is going to be the bi bilingual journalism. 
by cultural journalists who who understand, you know. I, I, anyway, I'm not saying that's the the whole future, you know. Uh-huh. But it's like I feel like that 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 journalist has got a big advantage these days compared to somebody who you know who doesn't know that because I think the game's going one way. I mean, I did a story the other week about MLS League MX. From everything I've heard, they want to do as much as they can together. Um, and so yeah, no, I think that people are well placed. I think it's just, and if, you know, for me as well, sometimes you just have to be patient. <laughs> you have to be patient because I think people are going to realise. When I say people, you know, the, the the people in the big companies, the big decision makers, they're going to realise more and more that you know, like the guys, you guys in PVA, and like you know, there's a lot of you guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a lot of Mexican American bicultural, bilingual, you know, within a, we absolutely grew up with soccer, love soccer, and, you know, that's why I say it's the future, you know, because it's, it's I think it's the people that can tell those stories that, um, you know, that, that I think are going to do well, like, you know, I was in San, San Jose the other, uh, the other day, and I went for some food with a guy called uh, Joel Soria, who, who covers the San Jose earthquakes, and he's completely bilingual, you know, I think his father's from Jalisco, and it's like, you know, some people like that are going to get breaks as long as they keep at it, you know, and I think that's that's where I see it going. But I think the barrier is getting these big companies to kind of buy into it. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a little more time, but you're already seeing these companies are taking the risk and they're seeing that return, I imagine. So very interesting thing. And, and you, you know, you brought up PVA and, and our members and, you know, you're, you're seeing, you know, what what's going on with, with the, you know, with what we're doing. Um, how did you, what, what was your first encounter with Pancho Villa's Army? Um, I can't actually remember the exact first. I remember, um, I remember interviewing Sergio uh, quite a while, but maybe 2014, around then, 15. I mean, I don't know. It's just like I think Sergio's story is interesting as well because I think certain things are portrayed in in certain ways when it comes to you know the Mexican American community, and I'm nobody to say you know how it should or shouldn't be portrayed. But it's like someone like Sergio is actually. You know, fascinating from a journalistic point of view because he has got this passion for the Mexican national team, you know, which which has led him to form this group. But then at the same time, you know, he's he's been in the army. You know what I mean? So he's like he's got this. You know, obviously, you know, he's patriotic. Um, on the US and not everybody's got the same story you know there's going to be people in the group who don't like the United States in any way for any reason you know what I mean yeah. and that's fine but it's just I, don't, I just think his story was uh, it kind of jumped out and I think when you look at it from a journalistic point of view it's kind of it's fascinating it's fascinating that somebody can be so passionate about Mexico when it comes to soccer and you know other things as well yeah. um, but then at the same time you know go and you know and fight for to the country where where you were born, really. Yeah, no, and it's and it's, he shares a lot of similar stories to a lot of the members, right? Where, you know, it takes one person to start something. To see, see, you know, it's always a vision, right? Yeah. He's a vision. He's you know sitting at a bar. I mean, or you see all these origin stories like <laughs> starting a business out of a garage, right, or whatever. Yeah. And you know, just you know what, I there's there's a, there's a need here. I see something or whatever, and then you know starts just takes that risk or that plunge to start creating something. Uh, which is pretty cool to see, man. So I mean, the fact that you, you interviewed him and you got to know him and his story. Um, anything, anything, any memories that you have of, you know, probably the fondest memories you've had of, you know, what you've done. Because I know you have a lot of good stories. But is there anyone I just like? You know what? I'm never gonna forgive this. this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, I'm not. I don't, I'm not sure. I'd say. Um, I think one thing I'm, you know, I always remember is 
the Mexico fans in, in Russia. <laughs> because, you know, I'm not, I'm not Mexican, you know, my background's not, not Mexican, but, you know, when you live here a certain amount of time and, you know, you read a lot of the foreign press and kind of Mexico gets so much negativity, you know, when it comes to the foreign press. But going to Russia and seeing, you know, just seeing the fans and seeing how they were interacted with the Russians and the Russians absolutely loved them. <laughs> you know, the Russians were just absolutely in love with the Mexico fans. It was like, I don't know, that connection and yeah. the way Mexico fans celebrated and, I don't know, just did the thing. Like, <laughs> we know what Mexico yeah. fans do, you know. But the way, you know, on the kind of a world stage in front of, you know, and just so many people in that game against Germany. I mean, when you, when yeah. you think how far that is from Mexico and to, to think that Mexican fans were kind of 70, 80%. I don't know, it just kind of brought them to me, especially just, I don't know, just how much this, you know, the national team means. I mean, not every national team, that's, that's not normal. Yeah. <laughs> Germany's only like a two-hour flight from Moscow. You know what I mean? The normal thing would be for Germany to fill that stadium. Yeah. You know, but then to see all the Mexico fans and, you know, how they help each other out as well and, you know, if you needed somewhere to stay, then, you know, you can stay wherever, you know what I mean? And I yeah. don't know, I think that was, that was something that definitely will, uh, will stick with me. That's that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, and then again, we're looking forward to the next uh, World Cup. It's coming in a few years. <laughs> Qatar. I'm just uh, curious to see how that's you know how <laughs> yeah. how many Mexican you know what what the what the Mexican fans do there you know and, and that culture shock for the for the Qatar Qatarians. Is that we say Qatarians? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Qataris, I think. Qataris. But uh, no, no, it's gonna be no, it's gonna be interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's not just Mexico fans. It's like the European fans, the South American fans. I mean, what, how is it all gonna play out? I mean. We, we, I don't know, we don't know. What I do know is, though, that there'll be a lot of Mexico fans there. Yeah. Because yeah. they're already, they're already chatting in the groups and stuff. <laughs> they're already saving money. Yeah. In fact, even from, from Russia, they started saving money. Yeah. To go for the next one, I mean. I don't know. But yeah, that's the other thing as well. If you ever get a chance to go to what, to go to a World Cup, I don't know, I'd 100% do it. I mean, yeah. it's just an unbelievable experience. Yeah, save up for it and then make an experience. I haven't done one yet, Tom, so I gotta, I think Qatar is going to be my it's going to be my target. If yeah. not, you know what? The next one's going to be easy. It's in the states. <laughs> Ten minute drive from your house. <laughs> Ten minute drive or a quick flight, and I don't need a I don't need a passport. Um, so uh, one of the things that we're going to talk about here. So a good, good favorite moment. Oh, you did mention you, you, you said something very interesting about how the Russians were you know really embraced the Mexican fans. Yeah. I, I'm finding that that's the case in a lot of countries, man. Like look at what um, Raúl Jiménez is doing with the Wolves. How they, you know, did a, a jersey for him or whatever, and then you see when Chicharito was even in, um, you know, in the teams that he was, for example, in the Bundesliga, he was with. Um, oh, yeah, but yeah, they really embraced yeah. him as well. They, you know, they, you know, the the culture, the fans were really embraced, you know, with open arms. I mean, what do you what are you seeing about other other countries and, and no, how they're embracing Mexican I mean, fans? I, don't, I think there's two things. I think I think in general the Mexican player is very hardworking, and I think that translates really well, especially in England. I think the English fans just love a player who's going to run himself into the ground. And you look at someone like Chicharito as soon as he arrived in United. All right, he scored goals, which also that, you know, that, that helps. helps. Raul yeah. scoring goals that helps. that helps. But he also works so hard, and I think that's the. I think that generates a lot of, and you know, someone like Guardado as well. I yeah. Mean, I think it's the same kind of thing, but um, but yeah, and, um, and the other thing I think is that going back to the, what I was kind of mentioning before about the the power of the Mexican national team, the power of Mexican soccer, I think people are only just in certain areas starting to wake up to it. You know, the fact that if you sign a Mexican player, 
you're going to get Hulk, <laughs> a big country Fan like base. Mexico behind yeah. you. But also, you're going to get the Mexican American fans who, who, who um, earn dollars, you know, and and sell fifty, sixty thousand t- uh, tickets every time to the, they play in the United States. Yeah. Pretty much wherever they go, even if they repeat year after year, they pretty much always sell out. And I think that the European clubs slowly are now coming to to realize that that you know the number one team in the United States is Mexico. And it's like it's all very well saying, you know, if you want to get to the to the U.S. market, normally it'd be, well, let's let's, let's sign a U.S. player, you know. And there is some truth to that. Like Pulisic, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of interest in the states because of Pulisic. Yeah. I'm sure Chelsea have s- sold a lot of shirts, but I'm not sure it's the same fanaticism that the Mexican fan shows. You know, yeah. you go on Twitter on a Saturday morning when Chucky Lozano's playing for Napoli, and everybody's like. Everybody's tuning in. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like it's hard for me as a journalist to keep up because fans yes. are also sometimes, uh, you know, watching. They're watching it the same amount as me or more. You know, yeah. and it's it's. I don't know. There's that, and I think, I think that's. Um, I don't know. I think we're seeing. I think we're seeing. To sum it up, I think we're seeing people in clubs, federations, marketing, and now realizing that there's there's a lot to the Mexican player has a lot of power. Yeah, uh, market marketing wise. Yeah, no, I'm seeing I'm seeing that quite a bit. It's interesting how that's working out. I want to talk about, you know, you know the stance of PBA when it comes to the chant. You know, Serge, um, you know, did a, you know, press release or he wrote something about how we just, you know, definitely not, not for it. You know, we know the the history behind the the, the word yeah. and everything like that. But you know, it's not, you just recently had an article or the recently, um, you mentioned something about how Liga MX is actually going to do something about it. Um, can you talk a little bit about what what you know, and you know, do you see this actually working? Yeah, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna suspend games. They're gonna warn fans. They're gonna they're eventually gonna uh, play. You know, if if people don't stop shouting it after they've stopped the game and taken the teams into the locker rooms, then they're gonna basically um, the next game is gonna be played behind closed doors. I think it's gonna be ugly. You know, because I think if fans, it's difficult. It's, it's, I don't know, it depends on the game as well. For, for example, uh, America Chivas, it's difficult to, to stop the fans overnight shouting it. But I do applaud the league big time because this is what we required. It's no good saying, don't do the chant in a Mexican national team game in the Azteca when five days before America fans were doing it in a league game. It's like, it's the same fans going. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I think the league's doing um, the right thing. And uh, no, I think PBA's been really brave because I think it's been... Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, that kind of splits, I think, fans' opinions. But at the end of the day, for me, you can debate all... Everybody can debate what they want about whether it's right, whether it's wrong, because people have different opinions. Um, but at the end of the day, it has to stop. And it has to stop because, you know, like Yonde Luisa, the FMF president, says, you know, Mexico's place in Russia is in jeopardy if it doesn't stop. You know, that, and it's, it's as simple as that. I mean, you know, people can get offended and... and you know, and say, you know, it's happened for so long. Why, you know, what, what about, you know, the way homosexuals are treated in Qatar? And it's like, you might be right. Make your argument. You know, it's it's fine to debate, but the, the bottom line is, it's going to have to stop. And it's for me, it's just that simple now. You know, it's just been reduced to that simple. Uh, you got to, it's got to stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, I, I agree with you 100%. I was one of those in the beginning when you know that started coming out. I'm like, well, you know, that's not what the means. You know, the whole trying to make an excuse for it. But the reality is, people are offended, you know, and, and it's overall, if that's what it is, you know, we got to be, 
you know, we got to take our suck in our pride and just be like, oh yeah, we got to stop. And yeah. if if, it, if this is gonna help, great. But uh, Tom, honestly, I think this is gonna be challenging though, man, because oh, yes. they yeah. have to follow through though. That's the thing. I we, we want to make sure, like, okay, they're telling this, but are they really gonna deliver? Are they really gonna stop the, the matches? Are they really gonna do that? And I guess it's way to be seen, right? And we're yeah. gonna see that here soon. No, yeah, I, I think I think they will. I mean, I think they know. I mean, it goes back to the to the marketing and the companies and you look at some of the companies that sponsor the national team the soft drinks companies the travel companies the banks these are big multinational corporations you know and and that's where I think probably a lot of this the root of this comes from but um, no I, I believe they're going to stop it and I think that the good thing about what PBA has done and the league is doing it, it's coming from internally you know what I mean I think there's a lot of frustration amongst Mexico fans when kind of you know say Americans or Europeans who don't speak Spanish who don't know are trying to tell them what's, what they can and can't say you know but I think the fact that this is coming from PBA this is coming from the league I think for the first I don't know I, I just think that's gonna that has to resonate more than coming from you know a US journalist <laughs> right well you know again that's uh, we're, we're looking forward to seeing seeing the changes and um, you know seeing what happens with uh with with what they you know with the rules that they roll out so tom uh thank you again man we're approaching the stadium now it's starting to get a little bit busier i'm excited for this match um <laughs> uh, you know the result i know we could we could have we could have spent about a whole hour talking about what's going on with chivas uh america and the coaching chain but you know yeah. this is gonna i guess we'll just wait when we, when we release this one of the results but thank you again for uh joining uh and, and spending time with us no perfect timing just pulling up here to yeah. the Azteca. <laughs> all right thank Thanks you so All right, man. Well, that was uh, my interview with Tom. So we did cover quite a bit. Um, he's got a great story. I mean, been been in Mexico 11 years. Uh, big supporter of, um, you know, following Liga MX and now uh, the MLS. But I know, uh, Coronel, you have some memories with uh, with Tom. Dude, Tom, Tom. I love Tom. Who doesn't love Tom? You know what I'm saying? And I remember a couple couple memories that I do have with Tom. We spent the day in Vancouver in Canada. And we took a trip up to, you know, their, their woods, you know, backwoods or whatever it is, a bridge that they have over there and whatnot. But it was really super, super cool to spend the day with Tom in Vancouver. Um, and we get to talk a little bit more about, not about football, you get, you know, get to know Tom on a personal level. And that, that was a super, super cool time because the games were over and was, there was no pressure. It's just a day off for him uh, because obviously he travels and he does a lot. He's constantly, constantly working. Uh, but it was good. It was good for him to have that day off, and we were able to spend, spend with him. So that was awesome. Another another fun memory that I have of Tom is uh, one of the first times we all got together was during the U.S. Mexico match in San Antonio, and it was in April. It was during his birthday, so we were able to celebrate his birthday at uh, one of the restaurants on the Riverwalk. So to me, I mean, it wasn't my birthday, but I was that special because you know to to be with somebody on their birthday, especially when you're traveling, you're away from your family. And uh, we were able to spend a little a little time with Dan. So, so that was super cool. That was super. Cool. He's just another family member for for TVA. So definitely love Tom. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely one of our um, you know biggest supporters. He support he loves what we're doing and the projects that we're doing. Um, same thing with uh, you know our our vision of what we want to do to you know just bring awareness to to you know Mexican soccer. The guy's just you know down to earth, dude. I mean, I feel like. I don't. I don't think I can't see anybody not connecting with him and getting along with him. He's just a likable person, you know. And, yeah, and he loves Banda. He loves Banda. So I'm just curious. You know, I've never asked him. But I'm gonna ask him next time I see him. I wonder if he's got any uh, any boots. If he has any what? If, if he has any boots. 
Oh, botas. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't see any boots on him when I saw him in the interview, but uh, that's a good question. Tom, if you're listening to this podcast, um, you know, let us know, man. Do you have uh, botas and what kind, man? You know, we're coming to the end of our podcast. Uh, Cornet, any, any final thoughts, any final uh, messages or shout outs? Thank you so much for Tom to take the time out and, and, and talk to us and uh, give us his perspective. Yeah, and, and that's it, man. Just uh, looking forward to the next podcast. And uh, again, guys, if you guys, we want to get to know who you are, send us a message and, uh, and then we'll get you on our podcast. Yep, yep, there you go. Please continue to do that. Uh, we want to make sure we book as many as possible and, and get this, uh, you know, cadence going. You know, Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursdays, trying to get these uh, episodes out. Uh, but with that, Gordon, I thank you again, and we're signing off. And until the next time. All right, man. See you guys later. Later.